and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, a little fried this morning, so I do apologize if things go off the rails, but I'm joined by the guy who's going to keep me in line, Mr. Stuart Lennon. Stu, how are you today? I'm very well, Justin. I'm very well. Good morning to you. How are you? You sound a little bit discombobulated. I'm very discombobulated. I tried to start the show without actually recording anything. So that is how my morning went. You know why it went like that, Stu? I blame the podcast. No. My tool of the week last week was something I wasn't getting enough of. Sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. The deer decided to come last night about, oh, three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. And they have taken a liking to my cedar hedges on my driveway, right under my security system. Ah. So in the middle of the night, you're fast, fast, fast asleep, and you get an announcement that there is motion detected at the driveway by my vehicles. Well, I can look on my phone and I can see that these are deer. They're just busy, busy eating. But apparently... Amazon thinks they're people because they've gone through my people detection filter to try and stream out some of these less desirable types. Well, rural Canada, I mean, you can never be too sure, can you? Well, that's about it. So they're sitting there eating. The security system keeps announcing every five minutes that there's somebody out there. And of course, I have the princess who is jumping up and down because she's a guard dog. (laughs) And she wants to be, and I can't admit to this. I might've been in this in public. She has to be picked up and taken to the front door and open the front door with her in my arms. So she can make sure what is happening out there. (laughs) So I'm in the middle of the dark in my PJs stood at the front door. It's minus cold outside. And I just have my PJs on and I have a little fluffy, Lassa Apso, sitting in my arms, barking at the deer. Have you considered throwing the Lassa Apso at the deer? (laughs) Well, she's, you've ever seen these sort of kids that, you know, know they've got their big brother behind them. Uh Um, I'm mouthy when I'm I'm stood in my dad's arms or my big brother's arms. That's what this little fluff ball is. So she's barking at the deer. The deer are staring back. And, and, you know, it's like a a standoff at the OK Corral in the middle of the night with me and my PJs freezing my tushy off. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you're you're too too gentle a man, Justin. I would would call the dog's bluff, dump it outside the door and shut it and say, right, you deal with it. (laughs) I I would actually be scared for her because these, the, the deer we have out here are, well, I'm, I'm not a hunter. You know, we've talked about this before. I'm the weird vegetarian guy, but geez, are these beefy guys. I'm sure if somebody wanted some meat off these, they would last for a while. <laughs> you know, I've always thought of deer as, you know, fairly slender, fast, fleeting, bouncy little animals through the woods. Oh, these suckers are thick thighed little buggers. But anyway, <laughs> I am not putting the dog up from there. And and until the deer leaves, the dog won't shut up. And the dog's just itching for a fight. She's doing like a little Scooby-Doo in my arms. Digga, 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 digga. Oh. <laughs> Let me at him. Let me at him. 
and I'm trying to get back back to sleep because I have a podcast in the morning. So I overslept as one might imagine because it took a little while for all the drama to die down. And I'm running a little bit late, which is why I'm so discombobulated this morning. How was your day, Stu? <laughs> it's all happening in Canada. Well, I mean, my follow-up is generally just an admonishment of you. Um, you you've cost me a fortune. You're welcome. Uh, first of all, after our discussion of the relative merits of the Sailor Pro Gear Slim versus the Sailor Pro Gear Regular, uh, I went to do some more research because you gave me some um, some statistics that indicated that there's really little to choose between the pens mm. in, in terms of size, at least. Um, the difference is the nib. Oh, I didn't tell you that, did I? No. So the Pro Gear Regular has a 22 karat gold soft, softer. 21 karat, nib. yes. 20, 21 karat. I do apologize. Um, versus the, I think it's a 14 karat in the Pro Gear Slim. So I was looking at one of my favorite pen emporiums, uh, Cult Pens of the United Kingdom, mm. where they had um, the one of the cocktail range. Sunset over the ocean, lovely. Which is a uh, is a very sort of deep blue with little sort of red translucent uh, cap and filial. And I was I was looking at them, and they had both. And I mean the the regular is pretty much double the price of the slim. Mm-hmm. So I mean when you when you think that we were talking about oh well it's one millimeter bigger here and three millimeters bigger there, I'm thinking. Wow, why is it double the pro? Ah, the nib. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm the longer I'm in fountain pens, the more I'm a nib man. So uh, one thing led to another. And before I knew what had happened, the finger had slipped, order had been pressed, and I can report with a degree of joy uh, that I have the pen in my hand. Culpels is very, very quick at uh, shipping, so I'm not at all surprised. It certainly is. So, how is it? How is it? Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's a really good-looking pen. Uh, better looking in the flesh than it was in the picture. In the picture, I thought, uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, but the red uh, really is very, very vibrant and translucent. It's lovely. And it, it writes like a dream. I, I got a broad. Um, so, obviously, for you, this would be a paintbrush. So, but it's a Japanese broad, so I suppose a medium, medium broadish European style. And I've got some sailor ink in it because that seemed appropriate. The shikiori, which is the nice green. Uh, and oh, it's lovely. It's very nice to write with. Lovely. I think on the basis of this experience, it's unlikely I would buy a Pro Gear Slim again. Uh, welcome to my world. I think the regular just just fits my well, my big chubby fingers better. Uh, so there we go. That was one huge kick in the wallet for me. Uh, thanks very much, Twyford. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And uh, no, no, I hadn't finished. I hadn't finished. Oh, oh, oh I've, I've done more. I'm sorry. <laughs> we spoke, we spoke, we spoke of hobbies. And I believe there was some discussion about, you know, as a young boy, Stuart played with Lego. Oh, hasn't Lego come on? Couldn't Lego be quite adult? <laughs> so this one's come from holland all the way from holland um uh getting Le- who knew that getting lego was quite so complicated because 
Some of the sets are very hard to find, desirable. Mm-hmm. They get little tags and everything. And so, you know, like a bit of Google foo and boom, my finger slipped again. And uh, the Lego 21327 typewriter arrived. And I, I'm not going to say it was expensive, but it was so expensive that you get a free set alongside it. <laughs> I got a year of the tiger, uh, which is for children eight years and over. So I thought, okay, well, I might be able to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I put it together and the current Mrs. Lennon went, oh, that's really nice. But there we are. It's on a shelf. Just wait till you see the typewriter, which is probably going to need a display cabinet. But um, yes, I've got it, and I I got the kit out yesterday. I got all the the bags out. Oh, yeah, and then sort of sat there and thought, oh, this this is is perhaps more of an undertaking than I'd imagined. But I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 doing the build, and I I believe I read a review somewhere. That for a, a truly expert builder, which would be not me, um, sort of eight, eight, nine hours on the build. So, ah, just a weekend uh, project for you then. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and space it out a little bit because Mrs. L has got into doing little sort of, I don't know what you would call it. It's like little diamante things, They're tiny little stones. Mm. And it's sort of like painting by numbers, but you, she drops these little stones to, to create sort of pictures of butterflies and things. Okay. So it's not bedazzling then. <laughs> no, I hope not. Um, so we're doing that. Um, sort of, we're get, we're, the dining room table has become sort of crafty. So oh, it's going to be something we do together. And I'm still talking to the Jack Russell about Lego bricks and what will happen to him if he starts eating them. More importantly, what will happen to you if he starts distributing around the house? Because there's only one time that you can ever find a lost Lego brick. Ah, uh, yes. And that is when you get out of bed to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night with your bare feet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have already just started channeling my organized Lego builder. So there, there's a box there and it's like, the pieces when not being actively constructed will be in this box unless they are put the next part, in which case they will be in their bags in that box. It's all going to stay very organized to stop Charlie doing exactly that. Cool. I am so excited for you. Welcome to the dark side. Yeah. I sent Stu a picture of, well, my hobby space where I have the stuff that I have ready that I've purchased set to work on as soon as I have time. And the key there, as any productivity person knows is as soon as I have time, you know, you, you get everything organized just so that when you have time, well, it's kind of taken up half the back end of a room. So, um, I can imagine uh, Mrs. L been somewhat less than impressed with all the Lego that eventually works its way around to Stu's place. Dear, dear, dear listener, uh, Mr. Twyford understates this. I thought he'd sent me a picture of an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it may be a little excessive. It's a lot of cars there. We've got the Daytona 500 and change. And change, lots of change. Uh, and I still have boxes that haven't been unpacked yet, Stu, because <laughs> I don't have space for them. Anyway, we won't get into uh, Justin's uh, buying habits because, boy, is that a depressing show. I will actually tell you one thing that is, you, you were talking about 
the kit's been collectible. Mm. Uh, a number of years ago, when I was making room for these boxes of uh, unbuilt kits that I have, uh, I actually sold off the Lego kits. I had a couple of Ferrari cars that I built. Uh-huh. And I sold them for a profit. Sure. Built ones, which is just no, no box, no manual, just this entire built thing that I had built as a fun process. And somebody paid me more than I paid for. So I, I had the, I got the box. I enjoyed the process and I still made a profit. And when in hobbies do you actually make a profit on something? Steve? For sure. Yep. It's, it's very rare. So, uh, keep, keep these, keep these nicely dusted. Oh, I will. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, who, who knows where we will go with this? I mean, it, it may just be the first one, one thing. I mean, for, for Lego, Lego people out there, they probably know this, but in bag number one, there is something that never existed when I was a young Legoer. Um, and that's a brick separator for those times where you get it wrong. Really? And it's, a, it, it's a, yeah, it's got, it's got levers and all sorts of sort of orange contraption thing. So I'm like, wow, that Lego, Lego's got serious <laughs> while I grew up. Wow. That is pretty serious. Mm. Are you into typewriters at all or just, uh, want to play with a Lego one? I've got a lovely, um, uh, old sort of, uh, was it a Smith Corona? I think, or maybe an Olivetti. I think it was an Olivetti that I picked up in a, a thrift store in the UK before we came over here, but it didn't make the move. Mm. It's, uh, I think it's now in a garage in Hampshire, mm. which is a little bit annoying, but there you are. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't rust too badly. Mm. Stays warm and safe and. Oh, it's, it's safely packed away. Fear not. Good, good, good. I like anything. I have a small collect a collection of typewriters that I restored. Fantastic. And uh, I sold a bunch of those off before I moved to. So uh, I don't have to show you a picture of those. I was going to say, when Justin says he's got a small collection, I think the, the listener should understand that probably means it runs into hundreds. No, no. My first ever podcast actually was on a typewriter podcast that uh, is now defunct. I was a guest. Yeah. Go figure. There you go. Type writer me up. All right, Stu. Wow. What are you using this week? Let's, let's move on. Cause, uh, otherwise I'm going to feel bad for spending all of your money. <laughs> okay. Well, tool of the week for me this week was, uh, well, it was electronic heavens to Murgatroyd. Um, the app that I think you use as well drafts. I do. I just had some things that I needed to, to get out of my head. I wanted to type them somewhere and you, you just put them in drafts and then they can go anywhere from there. That's what I love about it. The versatility of it. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you haven't tried drafts, do. It's excellent. Yeah. Drafts also, if you're doing quick capture and you wear an Apple watch, has the best complication ever. If you put the drafts icon on your Apple watch, you can push one button on the complication, speak to it, and it will put it in your computer drafts folder ready for you to sort and organize wherever you want. Yep. It's fantastic for that. And for some reason, the speech recognition, which I know is getting better, but is still not where I would like it to be is really, really good in drafts. If you if you can get that, I just renewed my annual subscription to it 
Is there a free version too, Stu, or is it uh, subscription only now? I know I'm on sort of the, the pro version because I have access to the developer in the back end on his Slack channel and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a free version, but yeah, I like you. I, I pay for it. It was a, it was a insta buy for me. It's it's not very expensive, and it's certainly worth every penny if you use it for quick capture. And that's exactly what I use it for. If I've got a little note, I want to check grammar. I put it all in drafts, and then easy one click sort of thing to wherever I want it to go. Fantastic. All right, what's your tool of the week? Well, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about one of the things, and I've been using a lot this week, that lives on my desk that I don't really talk about very often. I still have, because I'm a numbers guy, a manual calculator on my desk too. It gets daily use. Mm -hmm. I have an HP 12C. Well, I ha this version is my platinum version because I killed my last version. They only last, you know, 20 odd years or so. And then you <laughs> probably have to upgrade them. I, I was actually thinking about this and thinking, oh, I, I wonder if this is like a Syracuse cheese grater and that I will have to buy several of these and have them ready to go when this one starts to die. Might be a good idea. This one, it's a wide one with, you know, fairly limited little display. It's not one of these funky calculating ones that all the kids that grew up in the generation after me had, you know, when I was in school, my calculator, well, you type things and you'd turn it upside down and you'd send quirky messages to the people sitting around you. Mm -hmm. That's my idea of a calculator. But uh, this one is fairly simple. It is a financial calculator. So it has a bunch of financial functions included in it. It uses reverse Polish notation, which is a thing, RPN. Do you know what that is, too? You've you've sat at these desk calculators, I'm assuming, in your money-changing business, crunching I numbers have and making run, runs and runs and runs of paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, reverse Polish notation is, is a mystery to me. I've got to be honest. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, it is where, in a, a standard calculator, you go, number one, then you hit the plus sign, two equals, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. three hopefully comes up, but if you're running some versions, it might be 42. Reverse Polish notation is designed for more complex uh, calculations. So it will run a, it's almost like a bit of a spreadsheet. It will run a list on you. So you enter the number end. So I would do something like, number one, enter, number two, and then what did I want to do to number two as a function of number one? So let's say I wanted to go, I would go two plus, and it would give me that running notation. And then I could go oh, of three, yeah. three plus. And it's very much like the way the old calculators used to work when you used to sit and run, you know, totals and totals of all the, the takings yeah. and the checks that you had. Uh, but this is the handheld version and it's an accountant's friend, you know, a number guys, geeky tool. Well, we still use it and I keep it on my desk because I, I have, I actually have a Microsoft product. I have Excel as well as numbers. Um, I have, well, I've got Cal, uh, PCALC and I've got another calculator that I use. that does all kinds of cool things. 
But sometimes the absolute quickest thing, and I've been using this for so many years, is just to reach forward, press the on key, put three numbers in, and I've got an answer right then and there. I don't have to open anything up. So if I'm sending an email and I've got to do some quick math, maths, math, whichever side of <laughs> uh, Stu or me you agree with, uh, you could just plug the number in and there you go. You got an answer right there. And it's beloved. It's much beat up. It's, um, well, yes, it's, it's a lovely antique, much like myself. Lovely antique. <laughs> I tell you, the calculators that um, I have the fondest memories of uh, were little printing calculators. So with your, your little till roll there, because um, if you if you picture a, a bureau de change or, or a bank, at the end of your shift, you would count your till. And the way that we used to do it, for certainly for busier tills, would be that, you know, one shift finishing would be handing that till over <laughs> to another person. And so you would do a count. And the easiest way to get an accurate, neat count was with a printing calculator. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would have, you know, 25 times $100 bills, new line, 30 times $50 bills. And so you get this running total and you've got this beautiful little printout. So the person taking over from me could go, right, there should be 25 of these notes. Yep. There should be 15 of these notes. Yep. There should be 10 of those notes. Yep. Balances. Mm -hmm. And so it, it would be it would be a thing of beauty. <laughs> I'd finish counting my dollars. I would tear off the piece of paper that would then lie across the top. It would be secured with two elastic bands, and it just appealed to that neat freaking. I still miss those days, Justin. Yeah, but the size of those printing calculators. Yep. Oh, you don't want to have one of those on your desk anymore. Well, we didn't have a computer on our desk. We didn't know what a computer was, so we <laughs> had plenty of space. <laughs> Oh. Uh, those were the oh when i was a boy anyway quick oh and one more piece of follow-up that i must uh i must touch upon are you aware of the recent international incident over wordle no no i was not oh oh twitter uk twitter was alight yesterday as we record because uh for those who haven't played wordle um I, it's a five-letter word isn't it that's that's pretty much the yes yes okay now the five letter word yesterday was a fairly straightforward word with one small drawback if you were british or australian it was a six letter word mm. so the word was humor <laughs> which in British English, is spelled H-U-M-O-U-R. <laughs> and I, there were some very upset people on Twitter whose streaks have been broken, etc., etc. It's not an English word, they shouted. Oh, wow. <laughs> because, I, 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 unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this, but apparently the fellow that um, Mr. Mr. Wordle, or Wardle, or whatever his real name is. Um, he, Wardle, Josh Wardle. And he's British. No, is he? <laughs> so somebody was saying on Twitter with, with a great deal of indignation. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't check. No, I don't know. But um, I don't know a lot about him other than the fact that he walked off with a handful of cash from New York Times. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But so anyway, there you are. I've hit this one before uh, a while back that uh, I realized I almost didn't get it because, uh, like you, Canada carries a use. But yep. 
I live close enough to the state that I understand half of my spelling is incorrect. <laughs> you're just you're just neither one thing nor the other, are you? That there we are. It's the Canadian condition captured in a sentence. Well, I'll let you know another problem that we have in Canada here. If we're talking of weird things, it's not quite as exciting, but Quebec switches commas and dots mm-hmm. in its numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, European notation. Yeah. It's a French way of doing it. So within Canada, sometimes, you know, these wonderful Excel spreadsheets break uh, because, well, somebody switched it around and it doesn't calculate that a comma is actually the decimal point separator. So mm-hmm. uh, having a trusty calculator on your desk for the callback uh, is is such a good thing. Well, back to the calculator. He's on fire today, ladies and gentlemen. It's no sleep. He's good. He's good. That's what it is. I should try this more often. <laughs> What's your pen and ink of the week, Justin? Well, I got to confess, it's been a week, I guess. I uh, learned something about my pen and ink from a few weeks ago. It is a do-it-yourself tattoo kit. <laughs> uh, because I have actually given myself, I kid you not, a diamine Arabian night tattoo. (laughs) And I'm certainly hoping that as this, um, scabs over a little bit more, I'll be able to pick more of the ink out of it. Cause right now I do actually have, uh, a black tattoo in the palm of my hand. So like many people, and I, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. If something starts to slip, one grabs at it. Natural reaction, you know, a knife hurtling at your foot. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to try and put your toe underneath it just to make sure that you, it doesn't hit the floor. So it, it is a reaction. <laughs> My vanishing point capped properly, of course, was starting to slip the other day off my desk and I clumsily grabbed it because I had my hands full of other stuff with two hands. And the problem, if you can imagine a vanishing point, it has a clicky bit on one end. And as soon as you push on it, the nibby part, the pointy bit comes out on the other side. Well, I grabbed it right, um, lengthways. So I grabbed it right at the, at the clicky bit and right where the other bit comes out. And because I was going with force to stop it from dropping, Well, I did the clicky bit Ah. and I launched the closed pen, uh, with one hand and I pushed it into the other hand and I pressed the nib release button at the same time. And I I jabbed, you know, okay. So Stu has, um, teased me before about the nibs that I use been like a needle. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, they are. I was just going to say it wouldn't happen with a broad nib. Yep. Uh, that went straight into my hand. It went deep and it shot out blue ink everywhere. I did actually have to, of course, um, tune that nib and, uh, fix it because, well, it going into one's palm doesn't do a lot of healthy things for a, a gold nib, but yes, I have this, uh, little scab on my hand that is blue. <laughs> so that's how tattoos are done, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next time you want to do that, at least make sure it is in a good spot. You know, the weird spot on the inside of my hand looks, it, it doesn't match any of my other ones. Let's put it that way. 
coming soon to a prison near you. Yeah. Justin Twyford with the poshest tattoo ever. <laughs> Pilot vanishing point, no less. Probably the most expensive tattoo needle ever used. <laughs> uh, no, uh, never mind. Celebrities use tattoos. I'm sure they've uh, got something oh, damn, more expensive. Yes. Almost certainly. But uh, anyway, uh, back to what I've been using. I actually switched it up and went into a pencil this week. We're allowed to talk pencils here, right, Stu? Of course we are. Okay. I don't want to step on your 1857 uh, here. TJ will allow it, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, go, TJ. Uh, no, I needed a pencil, picked up the Blackwing Pearl. I absolutely love it. I haven't used one in a little while. I did find them originally a little too soft, mm -hmm. um, but maybe because of my broken hand, I'm writing a little softer this week. And I've just been writing with it. Love it. One question though. I need your help, Stu. Mm. I'm, I'm sharpening with a Carl Angel 5. Okay. And I know I could take a piece of paper and wrap it around to stop some of the sink marks. Mm. But that's just too much time, especially for a pearl that needs to be sharpened regularly. Mm. What do you do with teeth mark? Do you, I, do you just roll with them or do you do anything special? I don't use a sharpener that leaves teeth marks. I, I just can't. I can't bring myself to do it. All right. What do you do when Charlie gets into your pencils? <laughs> Charlie, Charlie is a very, very sensible, self-preserving dog. Ah. He doesn't go for my pencil. No. Um, no. Thus far, my pencils have escaped him. Mrs. L's furnishings are fine. <laughs> Daddy's pencils. Ah, we're not touching those. Smart, yeah, smart dog. Right. Yeah, he uh, he can't find them. But no, I, I I do know exactly what you mean. Those those um, I mean, even when they're sort of nice and parallel, they're just annoying. <laughs> the teeth marks what do you need mate um, i don't know if you've ever tried one have you tried a herval no no <laughs> they are i mean don't get me wrong i love them but they are the most ridiculous invention ever if if, if the uh if the listener hasn't seen a herval it's a brass it's a tiny brass plane for your pencil hmm. um and i mean it is it's the devil's own work to get it set right for your hand and to get the knack but when you do, it's the most meditative way to sharpen a pencil. So you're literally just gently planing it with this little lump of brass. It's incredible. But it's, they're, they're quite expensive. They're, they're going to be no change out of $100, I would say. Mm -hmm. oh, but they're just beautiful things. Um, once you've gone through that very steep learning, it's a bit like learning to use Scrivener on a computer. Mm. It, it takes a long time, but it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. I do have real woodworking tools. I wonder if I could uh, get those up. I could just imagine starting up a shaper or something like that in the middle of the day, <laughs> running upstairs to my garage and, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's not going to go well with the wife. <laughs> uh, but the Blackwing Pearl, lovely pencil. I mean, Blackwing, uh, for, uh, they constantly get on my nerves. I mean, they've done it again this week, actually, but... Um, they do make some nice pencils, mm -hmm. but they use, um, this is, this is what we call a negative advert. So I'm just ruling out a sponsor for the rest of time. Not that we have them, but if we were to have them ship station are never going to sponsor us because regardless of what address you put in, they send it to some myst mystery address. It's about 30 miles from, from our office. 
And they've been doing it consistently since 2017. I finally cancelled my Blackwind subscription because the person who lives at this address had just got bored of forwarding me my mail. So was just keeping it. Oh, free Blackwings for all. (laughs) Exactly. Every quarter, somebody sends me pencils. It's brilliant. And I said to them, I said, how complicated can this be? Every quarter we have this conversation. This is my address. This is the address I put in a checkout. Why can't you send it there? Oh, it's something to do with the autocorrect. And then yesterday it happened again. Oh, I was like, so annoying. (laughs) Really so annoying. Um, So what they said to me was, okay, well, I've put a recall on it. So FedEx will send it back to them and then they'll send it out to me. And I said, no offense, but I'm the customer. I've been waiting three weeks for this order. Send it to me again to the correct address. I don't care what you do with the first order. <sighs> so Blackwing wants to go all the way back to ShipStation and... Hmm. Okay, that, I thought that was ShipStation that was going to send it over by FedEx. This is Blackwing. Oh, boy. So, I, I said, you know, I go to Blackwing Customer Service. Um, immediately when I saw the thing, because you get a notification, I went, guys, whoa, wrong address. That's the, that's not the right address. And then I checked my Shopify checkout sort of receipt, which was three weeks ago, and I'd put it in the correct address. I'm like, send it to the... <sighs> and, you know, a really nice customer service guy can expect, oh, sorry, yeah, autocorrects. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that fixed. And I went back to him and said, it's been that way since five years. <laughs> Fix it. Oh, boy. Or words to that effect. I, I'm sure there were a lot of words, and I'm sure you... Um, that was one of those moments as a professional writer where you self-edited a lot of those words. If, it's, <laughs> if it only had four letters in it, it was an adjective. You were <laughs> probably going to say, no, I shouldn't say that. I was, I was playing golf today with a friend, um, a British friend who's uh, in his 70s, lovely fellow. And he turned to me and he said, it's been a long time since I got to write a good snotogram. <laughs> and he said, I, I even got a furthermore in there. <laughs> I was just like, yep, that's, the, that's, that's what you want. And furthermore. Ah, oh, brilliant. Anyway, oh, I feel so much better for that. It's a very cathartic. Ah, this is therapy. You should charge me for this, Justin. All right, let's do that. Uh, well, I don't think I can because, well, what are you writing with? I, I know you've got your brand new thing and we're back to be oh, costing yeah. you money, but what, what's your what's your layout now? Because, well, looks like you've well, done stuff. Yeah, there was a big change around. Hmm. Yeah, there was, um, I, I finished my little pocket pen, the, uh, the Cueco Brass. Uh, so that one was, has been cleaned out. And then the Lamy, uh, which was the uh, studio uh, with the Lamy Red. Um, I sort of accidentally flicked the cartridge out. I was just like, yeah, no, I'm done with this now. Um, so that's been cleaned and put away. And the Twisby Go, I may have accidentally pushed on the button so the ink went out of that one as well because I was getting a bit bored with writing with turquoise. And I got the a Pelican out, the M800 Ocean Swirl. So that's a, that's a big boy. It's not an M800, that's incorrect. It's an M805 Ocean Swirl. It's a race to fix that in the show notes. Stu and I are both <laughs> typing in the same place. I say the M8055555. Um, 
uh, which is the the difference, by the way, is that the eight hundred is gold trim and the eight hundred five is a rhodium trim. That's that's how Pelican rolls with those things. That's filled with Mont Blanc JFK. Now I have um, a Dudek uh, sort of pen holder on my desk that has two ink bottles, and I've taken the step of actually filling them. So. Oh, wow. We're committing. Yes. One of them is now JFK. Um, and the other is, um, oh, I can't remember which, which color is. It. It's an emerald. It's an emerald from Pelican, I think, or an aquamarine from Pelican. Ooh. So I have uh, a couple of inks that are sort of available there. I could even use them for dipping if I wanted to. Ooh. And my Pro Gear Slim. Uh, which has got the lovely um, purple in it from, uh, I want to say Ishikori. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and now, of course, my my brand new beautiful Pro Gear regular uh, with its gorgeous broad nib and this lovely Shikori nib, which I'm very taken with, I have to say. I'm, 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 it's at that stage where I'm thinking, do I need to tune it or do I just need to to write with it and let it settle a bit. Mm. And I think it's the latter. It's lovely. It's beautiful. Oh, such, such a nice pen. Nice soft nibs. Gold. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, I'm so jealous. I was actually, when you texted me and yelled at me over um, Signal the other day, I, I showed my wife what you'd bought and said, see what I did? <laughs> and she even thought it was a lovely pen. It is a nice pen. It's a really nice pen. Uh, that whole cocktail range has got a lot going for it i think mm-hmm. um kelp pens did have you can get the whole range um i think in the slim rather than the the regular i can't, well, I can't remember it's about three thousand two hundred or something sterling so, so quite a lot of money um but i think there are 10 of them yeah they're they're nice sets i i love the colors of of the um these are the cocktail series i believe yeah that's right but um yeah the i think the other problem is you have to have the same nib in every pen okay it's a set that comes in either fine or medium all right yeah and which is lovely but they're kind of you know as as pretty as these are they're the same pen yeah you wouldn't want them all the same would you exactly yeah they're the same pen so, um, yeah, Anderson pens had, uh, one a little while ago and I decided it wasn't worth the divorce, but, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, lovely things. Lovely. I, and it, it is a gorgeous pen. I can't wait to, to, uh, hear more about it. Uh, I'm just laughing though, with you, uh, filling up your desk set with Mont Blanc JFK. I was figuring you were going to be pure pouring liquid gold into the other one because they're about worth as much. <laughs> well yeah but i mean i do like the jfk it's a lovely it's a lovely sort of royal blue it's gorgeous mm-hmm. very very nice. nice pen lovely all right so what are we gonna talk about this week panic stations meep, meep, meep. there we go sound effects and everything uh what to do when it all goes wrong so productivity slumps system disenchantment overwhelm what do we do when things start going wrong either in life or just in working practice. Mm. I get a lot of experience with this, but uh, before we start off on a negative note, uh, do you want to give us a bit of a lead in before I talk about how 
everything went wrong for me over the last little while? Okay, well, I mean, there's uh, a couple of things. I think we've both got some sort of recent personal experience, but the ones I'm thinking of sort of, you know, looking back at my my time playing with this stuff, fra- phrases I've heard or used before, it's not working. Uh, I'm going as fast as I can. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm prioritizing sleep, mm-hmm. but I'm always tired. Yeah, I'm trying to lose weight. So now I'm always hungry and I'm still the same weight. The task manager? Have I got one? I can't remember logging into it. I can't meditate. I'm too busy. Um, those are sort of things that happen to me. I wouldn't say regularly, but have certainly happened to me. And with me, there's, it's always a domino effect where there are a few things in my, my sort of practice that are, they're like bellwethers. And I, I call them anchor points. And if one anchor point starts slipping, then guess what? I'm not anchored. And the others then slip. And I find myself in that space where I'm not feeling I'm in control of myself work-wise. Mm-hmm. And the, the top two, I think there are probably two that are really important to me. The first one is meditate. Mm. Okay, I'm not, uh, I'm not the world's greatest meditator, but I do do it every day for 10 minutes at least. Lovely. And um, I've, I've got into a habit recently of doing it very early in the morning, so starting my day with a meditation. And I use uh, an app called Calm. There's loads of them around, but um, I, I like Calm purely, I think, because I bought a lifetime membership to it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just 10 minutes guided meditation. just helps me get a little bit centered, helps me sort of... I'm not going to say get focused. I'm not sure it does, but it it helps calm me. It helps me think, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is the day. The day will be what I want it to be. Go get it. And the second one uh, is the dog walk, which is usually in the morning for me, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's sort of raining or freezing, in which case I may move it. But uh, just getting out into nature. I think my brain does a lot of work while I'm walking. It's the bit of brain that's not connected to me, so I've got no idea what's going on, but it just seems to get on and do its thing. Uh, I always come back much more plugged in and, and prioritized from a walk. So if either of those two anchor points start slipping, mm-hmm. then I know that, that things are getting a little bit out of hand. That's my own experience. What about you? What's been the recent sort of Twyford lessons? Well, I want to start with something really, really positive. My wife had her very last chemotherapy. Well, we hope it's the very last, but the last scheduled chemotherapy yesterday. Fantastic. So that's really good news. We're dealing with surgery and radiation over the coming months, but the impact hopefully on life will be much less than chemotherapy. Sure. So, so there's some good things, but certainly the last year looking at uh, as Stu says, uh, anchor points and things falling apart and just just everything taking a bit of a sideways shift for me. Um, you know, we, we moved into a whole new place where things are not just a little different, you know. I've got deer knocking at the door in the morning. So the, these are <laughs> these are things you don't normally expect in when one lives in the city. 
you know, the, these are the kind of things, you know, we're dealing with everything is a drive. Nothing is particularly convenient. It's hard to find certain things. Doctors, what are those? There is a wait list that, well, I'll probably be dead of old age before I even get onto uh, a doctor's locally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that that you look at and go, well, you know, there's, there's challenges with that. And of course, about two weeks before we moved up here, my wife got the cancer diagnosis. So we kind of moved up here and everything was into dealing with getting my wife treatment, getting, um, looking after the family, looking after my wife, because everything changes from her even having energy to go to a grocery store. You know, that is now a big trip quite often one I'll make because she's just not up to it. And what that does is it, it changes your, your balance. Mm. And I think like Stu, uh, that there are certain anchor points that you, you have that get thrown off. Um, you know, some mornings getting up in and doing a morning routine just doesn't happen because, well, there's lab work that needs to happen and there's mm-hmm. early morning appointment in the city next to us. And, you know, there, there are just all these things that go, well, a little sideways and I'm not just blaming it on that. I want to kind of reflect and say that some of the reason I got into the productivity, um, drive, why do I do productivity? It is not just to crush more widgets. I'm, I'm not one of those Gary Vaynerchuk hustle, hustle, hustle. I don't want to be hustling 22 hours out of the day and sleeping for, you know, 10 minutes in four hour increments, just so I could be super productive. What I always wanted to do is find that balance. Mm-hmm. And when the balance is off for me, then things start to create stress. Sure. You know, last week we talked about it a little bit that I had a couple of lousy nights because well, things are a little bit out of balance and that's a tough one. Uh, anchor points as such. Well, I think it comes down to just looking at everything on your plate for me. I'm not sure I have quite the same ones that Stu does, two two actions that would Mm -hmm. uh, center me for the day. I think I take a a much longer approach at this. Um, The first thing that I would say about when it all goes wrong, be kind to yourself. The most important thing, realize that yes, you know, this isn't just going wrong for you. You're human. It happens. At some point, everything will go sideways for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people worse than others. You know, some people seem to be born with a golden spoon, but for most people, they will have some time in their life when everything goes a little sideways. Yep. From there, I really focus on identifying what's important, really important, not what I think is important because our day planners, our task managers, our analog cards fill up with things that we think are important. But if we stop and really look at things for the other, from the other side, we can really look at it and say, what's important? I'm under pressure to deliver on this because that's the type of person I am. I deliver on this. Yep. Is anybody else looking for it? Does anybody else need it? What actually happens if I don't deal with that today? You know, I don't look at my email for a week. What really happens? Bad example, but you, you know what I mean? Sure. The idea that 
we put self-imposed deliverables on ourselves, particularly when we have a task manager with recurring tasks and um, activities that we need to do. And we come up and we say, here's my list of six or eight things I need to do today. What's really important? Do I really need to do that? And that can be a big change. What can slide? What do others depend on it? How serious is the impact of me not doing it? And the other thing is just communicate that as well. Sure. I'm going through something. You don't even have to tell them that. Hey, I had said I was going to get this to you. Is it okay if I push this back another week? Mm -hmm. It's amazing what that can do. And just give yourself the freedom to do you and to focus on something. Uh, Stu and I have talked before about a priority, a single thing. If you're a bit like me and can focus on one thing, but the overwhelm sometimes comes up when you have so many different things, just pick one thing to do, a single priority. Get it done. If you don't do anything else that day, you've still got something done, you're going to feel good about yourself. Once you've done that, reschedule, pick the next thing. Don't necessarily worry about these lists and lists and lists of things that you need to do, which is really comes down to be kind for yourself. And one thing that I've kind of learned this year, and I've, I've got to give a special shout out to Stu and TJ here, um, asking for help. We have a call between the three of us every couple of weeks. And uh, a little while ago, I was feeling pretty pent up. I had a lot of stress from all of these things that were going on in my life. And just talking about it with a couple of friends in a trusted situation, boy, did it help me sort of refocus and just kind of get over some of the stuff that was going on. Didn't sound too bad, but in my head, I had built it up to be something really, really bad. So, you know, make sure that you... You've got a network that you can ask for help, whether it's spiritual, emotional, drinking buddy, if you can go out to a bar or have a cup of coffee with somebody, just have some way of getting a little support because at the end of the day, everything is a balance. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting when you look at, um, you know, the, we both brought, brought ex examples to this and I'm looking at your list there and my list, which, you know, in many ways that we've used synonyms in places. So mm -hmm. that sort of realization, that self-awareness to go, oh, look, hang on, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm off, I'm off my game. Um, and the example that came to me for was, was this week. Um, I have a friend who's going through some stuff um, and some, something bad happened. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, and it, it kind of threw me. All right. I mean, it's not happening to me. Um, but I'm sort of adjacent to it and it was enough just to, to sort of blow my head off. And, uh, Monday is my writing day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I quite sort of early into Monday, I went, no, I'm not going to write anything of any use. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm not there. I, I, I can't get myself there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not right. Mm. And so then I went through the exact process that you spoke about there. I've got, okay, so what's actually needs to get done? Mm-hmm. And if you um, really ask yourself that question with your focus being on, okay, I want to reschedule as much as possible because I know that anything I produce today is not going to be very good. 
you'd be amazed how quickly you could move things around. And as you say, if you reach out to people, communicate with people, they will, you know, generally speaking, they'll cooperate. Obviously, sometimes there is important stuff that needs to get done. But it's not usually 10 important things that they need to get done. It's one mm-hmm. or maybe two. Um, and sort of the last point that I would make would be that you should celebrate that you've been aware enough to go, okay, hang on. I need to rethink this day. I need just to repoint it. You should go, hey, well, hey, wow, that's productive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's me recognizing the situation, recognizing where I am and working out how I can get the best out of this day, which I acknowledge already is not going to be the best day. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because it's not just about your good days. You want to make your good days brilliant, of course, but you want to make your bad days less bad mm-hmm. because that is what will steal momentum away from you. If you can make your bad days all right because you've thought about it and you've played to it and you've you've worked your way through it, then you'll become more productive. You won't lose momentum. Very, very good point. Celebrating certainly is such a key part of that, looking at a way to to recognize and, and again comes back to be nice to yourself yeah exactly that it 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 really is self-care you know it's we're we're heading into touchy-feely Stu. that's not somewhere we normally go but i i think it is important when you're looking at productivity that we're not just crunching web widgets that we are looking yeah. at it and trying to realize this is everything in life is about this balance and those the celebrating yeah, the the things that you do manage to get done are are worth it you know it's it's always easy to look at that task list and say here's all the stuff that i've i've never done um i haven't got to it i haven't got to it and that could just become a big snowball sure i think would you agree with me Stu? one of the beauties of the analog card is the ability to review it and celebrate what you've actually got accomplished against what you wanted to do each day. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think we all are inclined to think of all the stuff that we haven't done. So, you know, if everybody has an infinite to-do list mm-hmm. and that's the danger of relying solely on big electronic systems is that you can always go in there and find more stuff to do. And there's a tendency, therefore, to ignore what you have done. What analog does for me is it allows me a maximum of 10 tasks on a card. Mm-hmm. But it makes me think of, okay, so what are the three most important things I have to get done this morning? And if I do those three, then you know my card is, is kind of completed because I rarely will I have more than seven things on my analog card. And I really enjoy that sense of achievement that you get at the end of the day because I, I, like you, I think, you know, I try and finish that day by reviewing the card and moving into the next one and say, okay, so for tomorrow I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I know where I am. And not, not a full-blown shutdown routine for me, but part of one, just enough to say, hey, well done. Go upstairs and, you know, relax. Get on with the other parts of your life now because this bit's in hand. Mm. I, I just pulled up a card from the other day. This was Monday. And my card has two items on it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those days in the morning that, you know, I, I knew they were fairly big items, but that was all I needed 
to do that day were just two big things that were on my mind that needed to be accomplished. Normally, my list, I'm just looking at today's list, it's six items that I have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But the other day was just two. And having that simplicity to recognize I'm not going to overdo it, I'm not going to push things to put that mental overhead as far as my my task list to move it here of things that I would like to get done. No, these are just the critical things. If I finish those and I feel like doing something else, hey, I can open my OmniFocus. For sure. But, you know, it's, as Stu said, you know, my, my OmniFocus, I'm a big lover of my task manager, but it only shows me things that I still need to do. I can go and look at things I've done, but any of my defaults of any task manager, this is how they work, whether it's do, whether it's a real task manager or reminders, they're just going to show you what's upcoming that you need to do. And that mental overhead mm-hmm. for a, a word for it can be very, very heavy on you. And I think looking at my card at the end of the day and saying, I did this, this, and this, I feel good. Hey, that's, that's sometimes a win. And that's sometimes getting back to that single priority that Stu talks about, mm-hmm. I think is there. Um, do you put your anchor points if you're having a rough day? Do you put your anchor points on your list, Stu? Generally not. Generally, the because meditate uh, happens before I get to uh, my desk and my, my cards. And dog walk, uh, well, I've got two very stringent reminders who will keep letting me know that that's on the list. <laughs> so generally I don't, I used to, but I'm, uh, you know, I discovered that it's, it's kind of the sort of thing that happens. Um, I, I do sometimes have to catch myself and go, yes, okay. I am in flow. I could get loads more work done here, but I need to go and give my head a break. I need to, you know, get it out into nature. Chase a little white ball around, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, um, I, I dearly love to do that more, but again, it's one of those things that if I was doing more of it, I'd probably enjoy it less. So mm-hmm. it's all about balance too. That's it. It's about balance. So w- what are your takeaways from this, Justin? Uh, back to balance, find a balance for yourself. And with that in mind, look at what's really important. You may be surprised at much of the pressure we have, we put on ourselves. Mm, very true. How about you, Stu? What have you got as a a piece of wisdom for us to take away? Well, I think uh, dealing with those those sort of times where you know you can feel a bit overwhelmed or things aren't working properly, really, really what we're talking about is resilience, and resilience comes from having a routine and from having margin. Now, by margin, I mean space where you can reschedule. Uh, if, if you've got every minute of every day hyper scheduled and you lose a day, that's a huge loss. If you have some margin and I, I firmly believe you should have some margin in your life, then if you know where that margin is, it's quite easy and automatic to reschedule things and to, to give yourself that resilience to go, okay, today isn't the day, but I can put this here and I can put that there. and I can maybe push that till next week that I'm just not going to do. And everything's okay again. Mm. Very, very smart. Very good. I'm just thinking, I think there's a book about resilience. I might have to dig that out and look at it again. 
Sure. And I mean, margin is something that Sean, Sean Blanc talks a lot about. Um, and, you know, this whole sort of slow productivity movement that, that Cal Newport and others are pushing, mm-hmm. uh, Greg McEwen and essentialism, you know, is, is about that whole thing of saying, you know, do we need a thousand to do's? <laughs> maybe, maybe the problem is we just need to do a bit less. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. I see. Where can people find you playing Wordle on the internet? <laughs> well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk or occasionally just getting angry at the world uh, on Twitter at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Oh, angry on the world? I had one of those the other day. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is me on Twitter, JJ Twyford. Um, I haven't been writing much online, but uh, you can find out more about me, justintwyford.com. You can find more about us at stationaryadjacent.com and you can also find links to our show notes there. Please email us any comments, feedback, things you would like to share with us. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, Stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues who you think might get something out of what we talk about. Our next topic, if I could say this correctly, Stu, help me out. <laughs> uh, premeditatio malorum. Ah, yes, Hermione. Um, I, we were talking before the show about this, and it sounds like a spell from Harry Potter for me that I can't <laughs> pronounce very well. Uh, it is called Preparing for the Worst, and the idea for this comes from our friend Ryan Holiday. Our wannabe friends? Or, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, I'm sure he may have pinched it from someone a little bit older. Well, this is true, but that's where we got it for. We're going to talk about that a little bit next time. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yasas.